Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, all you road to growth listeners. Uh, today, I am lucky enough to uh, have Alex Montoya on here. I mean, we everyone talks about it. I've had people, so many people on this platform right here that talk about, oh, the struggle, this struggle right here. I mean, you're a laundry list of struggle, but the funny thing is your achievements are even even longer. So it's 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 great to, to have you on the podcast here and hear your story. Thanks, Alex, Thank for being here. Thank you for having me. So we, we were kind of talking about before, I mean, you're a motivational speaker, author, writer, I think, I think it's eight books, I believe, uh, and, and you're writing many more, like, um, and, your story is one of of transferring over here, moving here to the United States at the age of four from Colombia. And the kicker is that you were born with basically maybe not all the limbs that everyone, I mean, that a lot of other people might have had. So you're coming from a, a farther place down than most people and you're able to get to where you are right now. Can you, I mean, Walk us through your story of, of getting here and, uh, and kind of who you are, Alex. Sure. Well, um, I'm Alex Montoya, and I actually uh, have faced adversity from literally the first moment when I was born. Uh, I was born in Medellin, Colombia, uh, which is in South America. And when I was born, I had a birth defect that rendered me without three limbs. Uh, so I was born missing both of my arms and my right leg. I wear two prosthetic arms uh, that allow me to uh, function, you know, as as hands and as arms. Um, I moved to the United States when I was four uh, through the Shriners Hospitals in order to be able to go to school and receive medical care and receive prosthetics. Uh, but you're right; I certainly had a farther place to come uh, from uh, than most people uh, in terms of um, uh, geography and a farther place uh, to come from. In terms of life, uh, because I was born with with instant challenges, I was born with instant adversity, and um, certainly had to learn uh, how to overcome those. Uh, first of all, just to survive. Did were your parents kind of into mindset, or how did? I mean, how did you learn? Because you seem like a very positive person. I mean, from our interactions, very positive, and I could see see people that are, especially even at a young age. I mean, saying, why me? Why me? Why me? I mean, did your parents help you out with that? How did you come to the, to the idea of being positive about things? Sure. Well, first of all, um, I have been blessed with a family that uh, was very positive um, and also was very strong in faith. Um, now, my biological parents, uh, both of them were very strong in faith and uh, very much uh, taught me from from the time I was a baby, the time I was a toddler, um, to appreciate life, to enjoy life, um, that they were going to have the same expectations as me, uh, that's as for me that they have uh, for any of the other any of their other kids. Um, when I moved to the United States, I actually moved in with my mother's sister, who was my aunt, uh, and so she and her husband, my uncle, really became a second set of parents for me. Uh, they raised me. And uh, they very much instilled in me um, kind of a stronger mindset uh, that uh, we are to have the highest expectations for you, 
um, they quickly saw and they quickly told me that uh, even though I had a physical disability, that they could tell uh, that mentally uh, I was I was okay, I was good, um, and that I loved to specifically communicate and interact with people. And they said that's going to be your strength in life. Uh, people are going to meet you, uh, and this really applies to so many people. People meet you, and the first thing that they are going to see is your shortcomings or your shortfalls, uh, and they're going to they're going to automatically think that life is impossible for you. Uh, and your mission, uh, they told me, is to make the impossible possible. Um, so between my my biological family, um, parents and siblings, and then you know really my adopted family uh, here in the U.S. Um, I, I like to say that I've had one one big family, uh, but all of them very much contributed uh, to making me making me feel uh, complete and whole, and making me feel um, that nothing could stop me. So your biological parents, did they stay down in South America or were they not with my kids? Okay. Correct. They, stayed, they stayed in South America. For them, that was a country that they, uh, that, that was the only kind of, that was the only country they knew. And so uh, they chose to stay there and allow me to move as a youngster uh, to move to the U.S. And, and are, I'm, I'm assuming you're still in contact with your biological yes. parents? My, my father passed on four years ago. Uh, but uh, my mother uh, is very much uh, still alive and uh, very close to the relationship uh, uh, with her and, and, and all of my family. I mean, this is a ran random question. Has I'm assuming there's been uh, drastic changes in prosthetics since you've been a child, correct? Absolutely. Prosthetics have been one of those things that have developed as the years have gone on. But what's interesting is the arm prosthetics that I wear uh, are connected to me through a, a strap harness, and the strap harness is connected to a series of cables, and the cables operate uh, the hooks for everything to move. Um, that actually has not changed all of that much. Uh, so the same uh, types of arm prosthetics or hooks that I received when I was four years old are not a whole lot different than from what I wear now. What really has changed um, uh, technologically-wise and medically has been leg prosthetics. Uh, for some reason, that has really been uh, kind of the accelerated uh, growth uh, in the world of prosthetics over the last three decades. So you're you're growing up, you're in school. How was how the interaction going with, with other kids? Because I know kids can be tough sometimes. I mean, how was that interaction? When I first got to this country, uh, my aunt and uncle told me, be prepared for the fact that that you are going to look different than everyone else and they're probably going to be intimidated um, by your prosthetics it's not something that other people are, are used to and so they gave me a mandate uh, they said you need to go out there and be the friendliest guy possible because you need to be the one to break those barriers and be proactive um, and they were right uh, kids were uh, intimidated kids didn't know they didn't want to say anything offensive. They didn't know, you know, why I, I had these. Uh, and so they kind of stayed off to the side. Uh, but once they saw that I made an effort to reach out to them, uh, that I told them it was okay to grab my hand and shake it the same way you would shake hands or even give me a fist bump, uh, they saw that I was just a regular kid like them. Uh, in fact, uh, I have uh, kind of empty holes where the elbows are um, that uh, that allow me for, for the arm for, to move as a joint. And I used to actually hide uh, my friend's candy in there. 
um, you know, just to be able to sneak their candy into class, which became problematic because eventually in class I would I would raise my arm uh, to answer a question, all the candy would spill out. Uh, <laughs> so we all got in trouble. Uh, but, uh, you know, the kids certainly, those that, that knew me and got to know me, um, uh, treated me well and treated me great. Uh, as an immigrant, it was difficult moving to the U.S. and learning a whole new language uh, and learning a whole new custom and really a whole new world. Uh, but once I uh, eased into that and just worked hard at that, uh, it certainly got better. Um, there certainly were incidents of bullying. Uh, you're right. Kids are kids are difficult. Kids are kids are hard. Uh, kids will bully and kids will pick out differences. Uh, and what I noticed though was the ones that that bullied me were the ones that didn't know me and didn't take time to get to know me. And the kids that knew me and really were my friends uh, were the ones that would defend me and would say, "Look, Alex is a regular guy just like us. Like, give him a chance." And that uh, that made a really big difference. That I mean, so you had basically kind of a, a, a group yeah. of you that was kind of your own protection, like your, your friends that would kind of say, hey, stay away from some Alex and so on and so forth. I mean, <clears throat> now you're, I know your your adopted parents were very positive and kind of walking you through, hey, be aware of this, be aware of that. You're a writer now, you're an author, right? And, and, and when I'm thinking of an author, I'm thinking of someone like typing it down, writing it down. Right, that had to be a little more difficult, kind of getting into that kind of that field. Was it? Where did that love come from? Sure. the The great thing is, um, my my aunt, who really became a second mom to me, and and I just call her mom, uh, identified with the help of a teacher uh, when I was ten years old that I loved writing, and uh, in fact, I remember my teacher telling her in one of those parent teacher conferences, uh, you know your son is a little bit of a problem because in class he just won't shut up uh, and unfortunately he's not too good at math either uh, but he is a really good writer who has really taken to writing you need to develop that and you need to really um, look into having that be a career for him a lot of people don't have that kind of direction uh, and, and look it's completely normal to fall into a career um, and I've certainly had ups and downs and all kinds of uh, bobs and weaves as my career has gone on. But ever since I was 10 years old, uh, my, my family has known and directed me towards being a writer. Um, one of the reasons that I consider myself extremely lucky is by being born with my disability and having prosthetics since I was four, I learned how to do things at the same age that my peers were. So I learned uh, at, at the exact same age how to just adapt and do things differently. So whereas they were holding a pencil or a pen in their hands, I learned how to grab a pen and use the back end uh, with the cap uh, to be able to use on a keyboard and be able to use uh, uh, to type. Uh, I saw that for me, I'm naturally left-handed. I saw that uh, doing it one key at a time, punch, 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 uh was going to be effective for me uh and i learned that that number one things were probably going to take longer for me to do uh but that uh, no excuses i had to find a way to get it done and i also had to be willing to invest time in practicing writing or practicing typing uh knowing that i was going to be slower than most of my peers but if i really loved the the act or the art of writing 
um, that I had to be willing to put in the time to do that. Wow. So, I mean, how long does it take you to, let's say, write a book or one of your books? One on average, how long would it take you to write a, write a book these days? So the nice thing is with with the writing that I do, I, I do motivational writing and I uh, give my stories and my perspectives on, on different things I've experienced, whether it be what it was like being an immigrant or another uh, passion of mine, which has been uh, running in marathons uh, and doing endurance running. Um, uh, I can I can write um, my own story uh, within probably 90 days. Uh, my average book is about a 90 day project uh, because I have such a passion and love for it that for me, uh, writing for hours and hours is a joy. Um, mm -hmm. If I write for a client and I am doing ghost writing for them and there's a lot of interchange interchanges of drafts, it takes a little bit longer uh, because I'm getting into somebody else's head and, and making sure that I'm communicating what they want properly. Um, one thing that I always tell people, though, is when it comes to writing, um, if you can do it fast, if you have a love for it and you can do it quickly, that's fantastic. But you shouldn't rush it. Um, writing is a process and there's always editing and there's always drafts. And I always encourage people to write something leave it alone and then come back to it the next day and it is going to look completely different than from what you remember from the previous day um that's just part of the process of it um so again I, i'm fortunate that i have the ability to write quickly um but if people don't find that as far as coming naturally to them uh, they shouldn't worry um, the the best writing it's like cooking the best writing and the best cooking takes some time have you ever looked at the idea of like dictating your, your writing or you have someone else write it for, for you? It's interesting. I have uh, tried to utilize various forms of, um, of voice activated software. Um, unfortunately for me, I find that it actually slows down the process. Uh, it's just a little bit faster for me to type it naturally. Um, and again, you know, anyone can just go based on their, their personal uh, preference, but but knowing that I, I personally, um, even though I'm a strong believer in technology and, and adaptive technology, I, I personally found that it wasn't a great fit for me. Um, but with that, that meant that it was going to probably take a little bit uh, longer. Uh, so therefore, I had to be uh, prepared to to practice and uh, increase my my typing speed. I mean, it sounds like talking to you that I mean. A lot of the things, because even talking to you, right, I, I'm going, okay, well, it has to take a, a a long time to type with one hand where you're typing with a pen and putting in there, right? And you're like, oh, no, it's, it's, it's really simple. I have it in my head. I'm doing it. This is all I've known. I mean, so it doesn't really sound like any of the, the physical, um, I mean, setbacks have really been any kind of setbacks for you. So where have some of the, the, the big struggles been for you? On the on the road to where you are, where where have those issues come arise? Absolutely, struggle is something that, that really is is universal. Um, first of all, as a person that has a disability, even just uh, entering the the marketplace and entering the workforce uh, was challenging. Um, I can remember uh, receiving uh, many different um, uh, employment rejections uh, that that I knew. I was very much qualified for the job, but I could tell based on people's faces 
when I would walk in for an interview and they saw my prosthetics, uh, I, I could tell that, that they were very much intimidated by what they saw and that they were very much intimidated by um, what they felt they were going to have to do in terms of accommodations. Um, so that alone uh, was hard. Uh, I, I have a good degree. Um, I did my undergraduate at the University of Notre Dame. And so I knew that I had uh, quite a bit of strong backing behind me. Uh, but again, just seeing kind of the expressions on, on people's faces or even um, some, some uh, questions that, that were asked during interviews, um, I, I, I knew that, that, that you know, it was certainly they viewed me as an extra challenger, as an extra uh, liability. Um, I have experienced um, being laid off uh, from places. Uh, I've experienced uh, cutbacks, uh, and even as a writer, um, it, you're never going to have uh, a total of eight books and have all of them be smash successes. Um, there are times where uh, I've uh, looked at the different writings or the, or the different um, uh, pieces that I've done, and I've really had to maintain a passion for what I'm doing uh, because not every one of them has been a commercial success. Uh, there's times where I'll go back and read my old writings and see a lot of areas where I wish I would have uh, written differently or written better, um, and then they just didn't do so well for a reason. Um, but I think one thing that, that, that really uh, encourages me is to know that, number one, uh, I, I write as a love and as a passion, uh, and so I don't, um, I don't beat myself up over every uh, failure or, or every book that, that doesn't do well. Uh, and also I remember that every book that, that doesn't do well or maybe wasn't written too well uh, is the building block for the next book and the building block for uh, just making me continually uh, a better writer. That's always the goal. Now you said love and passion. Is that... Now, is that a love and passion to give back? Is that a is that a passion of actually just telling your story? What's that? What does that love passion encompass? It's a love and passion for everything, uh, Vinny. It's making sure that you have a love and passion for uh, the art of writing and using words and using words creatively. It's a love and passion for me for either telling my story or telling my client's story and believing that that our stories uh, are important and that our stories uh, need to be heard um, but then also just having a love and passion for life and, and for gratitude uh, which which i hope uh, comes out in my writing and in my speaking uh, I, I wake up every day and, and i begin with a, a short prayer of, of gratitude um, and i i you know I even you know will thank god for uh, the arms that i have and the legs that i have which to some people is odd because I don't have arms and legs, um, but I'm very, very thankful, number one, for the uh, prosthetics that I have, because without them, I literally could not move around and get about my day. Uh, so again, whereas most people see me and they see the challenges, I see what I have, and I see the fact that it allows me to have a life and a career. Um, but also, uh, just having uh, gratitude uh, that, that, that these challenges have really defined uh, or given me character as to who I am. People will ask me, uh, would you rather be non-disabled? Would you rather have two arms, two legs? And I say, no, uh, which a lot of people are surprised by. 
Um, now, would my life be easier if I had two arms and two legs? Of course. But it wouldn't be who I was. My disabilities and my challenges uh, have shaped me and have really given me empathy and determination and appreciation for the little things. And so that's why I tell people, no matter what your challenges are, no matter what your adversities are, uh, don't be don't be depressed by those or scared off by those. Be appreciative because every adversity that you have makes you a better person. Now, you're talking about basically the affirmations, the mindset, the positivity in the morning. And I know you said that your adopted parents basically preached positivity. Were they the ones that basically put the schedule together for you where every morning, let's look at the positives? Or is that something that you kind of learned over time? That was something more developed just throughout my personal journey um, that, that, that I have incorporated more. Uh, as an adult, uh, I will say uh, probably the greatest influence that, that my adopted parents gave um, was they very much gave me a, a tough mindset, uh, which is more of a no excuses mindset. Mm. Uh, so you have challenges, you have adversities, you have prosthetics, you have all of these things going against you. They didn't want to hear any of that. They knew what I had. Uh, they knew that I loved communicating. They knew that I loved writing. They knew that I loved reading. Um, and they knew that, that I needed to focus on that. Um, as an example, when I was a kid, um, back when people would read uh, paper newspapers, uh, they would bring in the newspaper every single day, and I would be the first one out of all my siblings to be able to read it uh, because they knew that I loved reading and I loved uh, just kind of soaking in uh, information. So even little things like that kind of helped cultivate my mind and helped cultivate uh, my passion. Um, and they made sure that I knew that uh, the expectation was going to be that I went to school and that I went to a good college. And, and, and they really kind of set forth um, a tough mindset um, in terms of having a gratitude mindset and gratitude of, of affirmation. That really kind of came along more uh, throughout life. Uh, but it really also kind of came about through various um, failures and through various setbacks uh, because uh, even though I would be uh, down and, 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 and depressed and have um, challenges you know, with each failure, each time that I would survive the, one of those and each time that I would get past one of those, it, it really changed my perspective in terms of, you know, uh, I really learned a lot from that. I really, I really learned a lot from that experience. And, and so now I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, thankful that, that I had it. Um, just to give you a really quick example, one of my books is entitled See the Good. And uh, what See the Good is, is a theory that I've created that you can take any adversity in your life, any adversity or setback whatsoever, and find a minimum of two good things that came from it. And so I started to look at my life and I started to look at everything from the very obvious things of being born with a disability or some sort of professional setback. And I tried to find a minimum of two good things, and generally five or six things would pop up. Sometimes the only good thing that might come from a setback is just that it makes you a tougher, stronger person. Uh, but sometimes you look at things and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize at the time that if this hadn't happened, this wouldn't be happening. Or if I hadn't gotten this rejection, I wouldn't be in this place now. Uh, so I wrote a whole book about that. Uh, a little bit more geared towards my, my personal experiences, uh, but I believe that people can use, utilize that 
uh, personally and professionally, that every sort of adversity or every sort of setback uh, will produce at least two good things. So I, I love that idea. I mean, I, that's something that took me a long time in life to actually f to figure out and understand. And I, I, I appreciate every moment now that I, that I see those failures. Now, talking about the failures you kind of brought up before about not getting the jobs uh, and you kind of felt that that was based off your disability. I know for myself, being in the real estate field, I don't get all the listing appointments that go on. I started, if you start hearing the objections that are coming up, you go, okay, I got to change my scripts. I got to change my basic presentation. Did you start changing your presentation when you're going on these appointments so maybe you wouldn't get the rejections as much? Yes, I, I believe that adapting is one of the most important uh, things that we can do as people and as professionals. Um, so I knew going in that if their mindset or their in initial reaction was going to be perhaps to be um, intimidated uh, by my prosthetics, I knew that I had to make sure that I had the best polished, best prepared uh, presentation possible. It made me better. It made me stronger because I wanted to um, know, I wanted them to know what I was going to say um, and, and, and be so impressed by it that it kind of made the other doubts go away. Uh, so for example, one of my previous um, jobs was I worked for the local Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and I was in charge of memberships. Um, and given that it was a sales oriented job, uh, I would do a lot of, uh, uh, in office, uh, in, in home visits. Um, and you would, you would find the same thing. You would find immediate, uh, looks or expressions of, of concern or doubt, or, uh, just being intimidated, uh, in order to avoid that, I practiced my pitch as to, uh, why they should join the Hispanic chamber and why they should join our organization. Uh, so much that I, I could see it in their eyes when they were far more into the things that I was presenting that they momentarily would forget about what they were seeing physically. I'm not ashamed of my disability in any kind of way. In fact, I'm very proud of it. Uh, but I had to be realistic about the fact that, that I needed them to get past that to really hear what I was offering uh, professionally. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where you just need to do whatever you got to do to make uh, adaptions um, and be able to, uh, to to serve your role even better. I mean, again, uh, and I've, I've said it multiple times already uh, on this podcast, your story is inspirational, right? And and you've talked about it, the positivity you have with the disabilities that you're born with. Now, let's say of a, of a child, right, is listening right now and they have a disability, maybe they're trying to kind of understand of how to overcome and how to adapt. What kind of advice would you give them? I would say for any child, um, every single child and every single youth out there has challenges no matter what. Uh, some disabilities are visible and some are, are invisible or are hidden. Uh, so everyone needs to, number one, just embrace the fact that there is some sort of challenge that they will have or they'll deal with. But to regard it really as a superpower. Uh, I love the fact that, that my prosthetic arms uh, are something that people will take an interest in or ask questions about. I love the fact that it helps me stand out. Uh, you know, uh, being in real estate, that one of the biggest keys in, in business period is to stand out and to be different from everyone else. Uh, I, I have embraced the mindset that my prosthetics uh, help me stand out and help me be 
a little bit more memorable. Uh, so I want kids to to really kind of embrace the idea that what they have uh, isn't necessarily a challenge or something to be um, intimidated by, but they have a real superpower uh, in it. Uh, and and not only should they expect to do as much as uh, their other peers, um, but you can do even more. Uh, and to have the mindset that I am capable of doing even more and exceeding even more than people around me. Because I think once you have that awareness and you, you have that determination that having a disability gives you, um, it's, it's really a blessing. It's really a gift. You then have a whole different mindset than 99% of other people. No, I mean, that's, that's great. I know if we're, let's say hypothetically, we're talking to you in five years from now, right? And you, you've written books, you're doing motivational speaking, you're, uh, you have a nonprofit now. Where is Alice going to be in five years from now? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, my goal is always to uh, continue writing and continue speaking and continue uh, spreading my message. The wonderful thing is I know that that I am uh, learning and realizing things now that I didn't know five years ago. And I trust that I'm going to continue to evolve uh, personally and professionally uh, in five years that, uh, that are things that I can't even imagine uh, what they are right now. Uh, I certainly do have a goal of um, growing the Alex Montoya Foundation, uh, which celebrates stories uh, specifically of dis disability and immigrant communities. Um, with the fact that in business, um, the, the world around us, whether we like it or not, is changing on its own, I know there's going to be a whole new level of adapting. Um, chances are I probably wasn't doing too many podcasts five years ago. Uh, and, I, and I wasn't uh, really promoting uh, uh, books on tape, um, but the world around me changed. And obviously with the pandemic, the world around me is really changing. Um, so whatever changes are brought, up, brought upon in the next five years, I know part of it is going to be uh, just the world and technology uh, kind of moving me uh, in that direction. Um, I will say this, I'll, I'll put it out there. I am uh, hopeful that I can take my story and someday uh, put it in a script form and uh, produce some sort of uh, movie or or a television uh, feature. Uh, that is a, a goal of mine. Uh, but other than that, I really try to just improve day by day as a writer, as a speaker. Uh, I know that I'm not the person that I need to be yet. Uh, I know that I'm not the person that I'm going to be. And that drives me every day. That drives me every single day to just keep getting better one day at a time. All right, Alex, I'm a movie buff, so I think you already know what the next question is going to be. In an ideal world, who would you want to play you? In an ideal world, who would I want to play me? Wow. Well, I really have been impressed by um, Iron Man and uh, how he really kind of took uh, the, uh, the uh, prosthetic arms or, or the superhero arms that he has in that role. Uh, so I think he could probably uh, he could probably do a good job uh, with that. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I think uh, I think aside from that, uh, anybody that uh, could play uh, a, a smooth, sophisticated uh, Latino man, uh, <laughs> on. I think we've got uh, we've got a juicy role for you. There you go. I love it. Uh, 
Well, thank you, Alex, for for being on the the podcast. I mean, one last thing. So you were part of the the Padres Corporation, or you advertised for the Padres before in the past? I did. So I worked for um, uh, for ten years uh, within the Padres organization, and and that right there is a good example of uh, persistence and determination. Um, one of my one of my main passions has always been sports and athletics, and I wanted to work for the Padres organization. Uh, really since I was a kid, and I applied for different positions within their corporate office for years and years and years, and uh, got interviews and got my foot in the door, um, but would always fall short and would always be declined uh, until I, I, I finally saw what do I need to do to improve to make myself uh, someone that they would want to hire. And when I realized that one of the main areas that as an organization they were looking to expand uh, was Hispanic marketing and Hispanic business. Uh, that was one of my motivators for working for the Hispanic Chamber. And uh, after a while of, of really um, uh, learning that role and learning how I could impact that world, uh, the Padres hired me uh, as director of Latino relations, um, uh, extending their outreach and their marketing into the Hispanic community of San Diego and Mexico. Um, so it was persistence, it was determination, but it was also recognizing uh, what their need was uh, to allow me to be able to uh, be hired by them. And, and like I said, it, it was a great 10-year uh, run with them. And so that would mean that, right, if you've been tr you were trying to work for them a long period of time, that you are a Padre fan? I am a hardcore Padre fan, Friar Faithful, and, and I love living in Slam Diego. There we go. Love it. Go Padres. Now, if someone's listening right now and they want to get your books, hear more about you, I know the books can be bought on Amazon. Is that the best place to buy them? Best best place to buy my books is to go on Amazon. If people just literally punch in uh, Alex Montoya books, uh, they'll see all of my books uh, listed there. Uh, there are a couple authors, believe it or not, that share my name. Um, so people will have to really pay attention to the covers uh, to, to, to see you know they're from me. Um, and then if they want to hear more about uh, my message or, or reach out to me, uh, they would just go on to alexmontoya.org. All right, perfect. Well, if you're listening right now, make sure not to get the fakes, fake Alex Montoya's. Get the real one. Get the book. I mean, inspiration throughout this whole podcast. You can only imagine what you're going to get in the books, what you're going to get in the podcast, what you're going to get from, from Alex. So thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe. Please share. And, of course, your friends. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.